putting the church first That's right. and himself second. That we may be here today feeling the awesome power of the Holy Ghost. Before I get going too fast here, I want to have my beautiful bride testify. We celebrated 33 years of marriage in April. Amen. And I love her so very, very much. I was in a church, a revival church, the power of God had moved, and uh, there were over 12 different young ladies in that church that I could have courted and married. But there was just one problem, brother. Every time I would ask God about one, he'd say, no, that's not the one. They're not going to go the distance. They don't love me like you love me. But when she walked through the door of the church, and God spoke to me and said, that's the one. There's a couple of little problems. She was living in St. Louis, Missouri. And God hadn't spoken to her yet either. But anyway, God worked it all out. I want you young people to know that God still puts people together for the work that He has for them. Don't lose faith. Don't go looking out in the world. Amen. They're not going to find love in the world. They're going to find love in the church house that knows about love. Amen. Would you stand and testify? Thank you, Jesus. I prayed about it, that if the Lord asked me if it was for me to testify, what I should say, I do that everywhere I go. I cannot play and I cannot sing. Um, but I was praying about it, and it just keeps going back from yesterday. We were in service yesterday, and it just, the Lord won't let me leave it. We went, I went into the motel Friday to check in, and when I walked in there, you know, I started a little conversation with the reception lady, and and uh, asked her how she came about being in that location. And she started telling me that she was running for her life and for her children's life. And so I listened to her for about five, six, ten minutes maybe. And then, you know, and she said, you know, I just, this, her husband, her ex-husband, was in a cult. And so she was telling me about her 13-year-old and the struggle that this 13-year-old was having. And I said, well, you need, you need to talk to your daughter because that's not the God that I serve. I said, you can tell, we are holding this today in Sunday school lesson. I said, you can tell by looking at me, you know, that I'm a holiness person. But I said, God's not coming after this holiness. He's coming after a bride, a church, right. not under domination. He's coming after a bride without right. a spot or wrinkle. Right. I said, but I'm worried about your daughter because she don't know the God that I know. Mm -hmm. And she goes, well, I'm Baptist. And, and so I begin to tell her my Real quick, if I can tell you my little story. Yeah. I said, you know, I got to tell you what happened to me. I said, she's 13 and I'm concerned about her. But when I was 12, I said, and I had two nervous breakdowns before I was 12 years of age. I said, and my brother told me to go to my room and pull up this chair and say, okay, God, take a seat. And you need to look at that seat and visualize God sitting there. I began to tell her my story. I said, I looked at that seat, locked the door, made sure nobody was going to hear me, you know, grab my pillows, and I want nobody to hear me or pray, whatever, you know, I'm, I'm 12, you know. So I pulled up that chair, and I said, okay, God, take a seat. And I began to pour out my heart to God. Yes. I was raising the truth. But all of a sudden, my heart was so burdened, and I was anger and resentful, and, and just all this built up was inside of me. And I'm crying and crying out to the Lord, talking to him. I felt this arm reach out, give me a side hug. I was in shock. Yes. Uh, looked around, nobody was in the room with me. I said, God, is that you? Come on. And all of a sudden, I felt the presence of the Lord so strong. That was you. 
And I mean, I just poured off this entire life last like three hours, you know, just pouring out my heart to God. And I engulfed, helped him engulf me into a hug and hold me. Thank you, Jesus. I said that was the day that changed my life forever. Amen. Forever. Because I built up a relationship with him. Yes. The reason I'm still living for God and why I'm a worshiper and loving, because he's given me peace and joy. You know, I can smile every day, no matter what happens. I've lost a child. I lost my son in my arms, you know, with the HPV shot in nine minutes. And God brought him back to life, you know. I, I went to a grocery, I mean, a gas station and walked in there. We're broke, brother. We know what broke was. Walked in there with $900, used it, put money back for offering, used the rest of it, and then went to my family's, came back home and found $900 back in my wallet. I'm telling you, that God that I serve, is don't make no difference what age you are. Right, right. I want to encourage you. But you know what the problem was with most people, and could have been with me too, it's not an everyday experience. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you that day that I talked with God, he became my best friend. Amen. I mean, he has become my very best friend. Every single day, I can't wait to talk to him. This morning I woke up and said, God, how can I please you today? Yes. What can I do for you today, Lord? I love the house of God. I yes. love worship. You know, I thought, you know, I wish I could play and sing and help my husband on that account. But the Lord's blessed us with some, my son to be able to play the piano. And, and I just have to beat on the drums and keep him on beat. But the thing with this is that I, it's easy for me to worship. Yes. It's easy for me to praise him. Every single day he's in my life. No matter what the circumstances, I've seen miraculous healings done. I've had miraculous healings done in my life. Cancer to be taken off. I've had my back that was broken instantly healed. I'm telling you, I know a God Amen. that is real today. Yeah. He's never left yeah. Trust in Him. Right. Trust Amen. in the Lord with all my heart. Leaning right. not to my own understanding, because it never makes no sense. Right. But in all my ways, acknowledging Him, and He directs my path. I love Him with all my heart. anybody because if I tried it I would fail right. I'm here with a message from God I'm here today to do the work that God has called me to do yes. I feel in the spirit today that there is at least some one person that is here today that you are in a place in a position where that you are losing battles in your life because you cannot see the staff of anointing that's in your pastor's hand. The children of Israel were in battle, brother. And when Moses put, took and held up the staff and everyone could see the staff, that was the staff of the Lord that when they came to the river, Yes. And behind them was the massive Egyptian army that had come to conquer them. And on this side and on that side were the mountains. Oh. And in front of them was a mighty river. 
And a million people needed to cross that river in order to be safe. Yes. Right. And it yes. was Moses that took his staff and he smote the waters. And oh. God parted the waters. Right. And the children of Israel walked over on dry ground. Amen. You see, when you can see the anointing on your man of God, when you can see the power that is upon him, and you can realize who he is and where he's at and what God has called him to do, then you're going to be able to win that battle. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. My message and my purpose from God today. We're going to take our text from the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 22, and verse number 30. Ezekiel 22 and verse number 30. Speaking here as in reference to God, he said, And I, or God, sought for a man among them. Right. that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Amen. And I want to preach to you this afternoon about the hedge builder. Thank you, Jesus. The hedge builder. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive His words. Dear God, Lord, today we have come here, Lord, to be instructed in you. We've come here to be strengthened, oh God. We've come here, oh God, to see victory in our lives, dear Lord. Oh God, speak unto us, oh Lord. Allow us to grab a hold of what you have for us today. Lord, we are to be a victorious people, oh God. We are to win the battle. In the beautiful, beautiful name of Jesus, we bless I want to do my best today to reach out and to communicate with each and every one of you that are here. And some of you may know I have spent over 30-something years in the technology industry. As a young man, I walked into the universities, into the high schools, to teach those professors and those teachers how to use computers. <clears throat> I learned the very first thing was is that if I walked in with blue jeans and a t-shirt on, they weren't listening to me at all. Right. Right. So I put on my suit, I put on my tie, I combed my hair real nice, and I walked through the door, and all of a sudden I had their attention. Yes, sir. They realized yes. here was somebody that had come in authority. Right. Amen. I want you to know you've got a man of God here that has the authority of the Almighty God behind him. Right. Amen. But in teaching, you had to start at the very basics. That's right. These were people that didn't know nothing about computers. I was in the revolution of the industry. They, they didn't know nothing. And so it was a long journey, and we had to start with the very, very basics. We'd have to look at them and tell them, this is a computer mouse. Yes. This is what happens. You move this mouse and this cursor moves on the screen. Yes. So I'm going to start in the basics today. I'm going to tell you of a childhood story. My mother told me as a child to help you realize where we're starting from and where we're launching today. Bless you, Jesus. 
It's called the three little pigs. Yeah. You see, as Jesus would tell parables to help people to understand, we're going to talk to you about a mother that had three little pigs and she sent them out into the world to see what in the world was there and to make their fortunes. The first little pig went out and he was a pig that wanted to party. He wanted things easy. He wanted things just plain and simple and immediate. He didn't want to invest time, effort, and energy in order to obtain things. So he found him some straw and he built him a house out of straw. Right. The big bad wolf come by. Right. And he knocked on his door. Yes. Our enemy goes about like a roaring lion, yes. seeking whom yeah. he may devour. Right. Somebody had the devil knock on their door this week. Come on. He said, little pig, little pig, let me come in. He said, yeah. no, 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 not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. And he said, well, then I'm going to huff and I'm going to puff and I'm going to do what? Yeah. I'm going to blow your house down. Come on. How many... People have I seen walk out into the world with some mighty big dreams in their life. They had some great and wonderful things they were going to do, but they never did stop by the pastor mm -hmm. and say, Pastor, would you pray and see if this is God's will or not? Right. Oh, I would a lot rather have the blessings of God upon me yes. than to be wondering about where in the world am I at. Yes. The big bad wolf blew the little pig's house down and he ran over to his brother's house who was just a little bit more uh, intelligent and realized that there would be some things come his way. So he had built the house out of sticks. But it didn't stop the big bad wolf. The big bad wolf came by his house right. and he knocked on the door and said, little pig, little pig, let me come in. Right. What are you letting come into your home anyway? Come on. Come on. Help us, Jesus. You see, God's interested about what we bring into our palace. Yes. Your home is to be a holy place. Yeah. It is to be a place that when God's Spirit wants to move, He can move there. Right. But there's some things that my God is not going to coexist with. There's some things that God is not pleased with, brother. The Bible says God is not going to dwell in an unclean temple. Right. He's not going to dwell in a place that's been making sacrifices to idols. Come on. Mom. Come on. Well, the big bad wolf, he huffed and he puffed and he blew his house down and he went on down the road to the brother that had built his house out of brick. Yes. Yep. I want you to know we need to be a people that is looking at the long haul. Yes. I am going to go the distance. That's right. Yes. Right. That's right. I walked into high school as a young man. I commented about it in Sunday school. 700 kids there. I was the only one with white walls. All the rest of them were hippies. I, I knew where the drug dealers was. We had one bro that, that had a drugstore in his afro. He could get you anything you wanted, just right there, dealt it right out of his afro. And uh, I, I knew what was going on in the world around me. 
But you see, there was something in my heart that God had called me to the ministry. Yeah. God had called me to do a work for God. Yeah. So I looked around and I said, what in the world do I need to learn here? Right. When you get somewhere, you need to take a look around and say, God, what do you got for me right here? Why am I here? Especially if you're somewhere you don't want to be. Because the quicker you learn your lesson, the quicker you find the exit. Amen. So I said, Lord, what is it you want me to learn? He said, you are a minister of the gospel. Everything you do is planning for the ministry. So I said, okay, Lord, I'll look around and see what I can find. There was a construction class down there to teach you about building things. I said, well, I'm going to build a church one day. On. I'm going to go down there and see what I can learn about that. And uh, they offered drafting there where you could draw blueprints. I said, well, if I'm building a church, I kind of like to design my own. You know, I don't want one of these heathen temples. I want an apostolic church. And so I told the council, I want me a drafting class. Come on. Mm -hmm. We're not talking a little podunk school here. 700 kids in high school. Right. And she says, well, we'll get you in a drafting class. I said, Okay. I show up to the drafting class. I'm the only student in there. Come on. There's 35 kids next door doing shop. Come on. The regular drafting class is conflicted with the other things on my schedule. So she told the drafting teacher, you're going to teach preacher boy about drafting. Right. I want you to know God will help you find favor wherever you go if you are consistent with your walk with God. Right. Oh, you can't act holy over here on Monday and on Friday be out there doing the things of the world. Come on. They had a journalism class there. I said, well, I want to publish tracts. I want to be able to do things, print magazines, whatever God wants me to do in publishing. I want to learn about it. I signed up for journalism and didn't know it was the donut class. <laughs> journalism. They could sell ads, so everybody would come and check in. Two minutes long later, they were going to the donut class. Man, I had everything to myself most of the time there. Hallelujah. But she, little did I know that years later that I would be publishing a magazine. Right. Amen. I was preparing for my future. I didn't know what tomorrow was going to bring, but I wanted something that was solid and dependable because my heart was to be a vessel that could be used for the kingdom of God. Amen. Something about the brick house that the little pig had that it withstood all that the enemy could bring against him. When he huffed and when he puffed and when he did everything he could, it did not fall, but it stood the test of time. Amen. I want you to know today, I have no regrets living for God. Amen. I don't look back and say, well, I sure wish I'd have went out with the boys and put a few joints. I don't look back and say, I sure wish I'd have lived an immoral lifestyle. I don't look back and say, well, I wish I'd have parted on Friday nights. No, I have no regrets today. My God has been good to me. My God has taken care of me. My God has blessed me. My God has given me favor. And on top of that, today I'll walk through the factory that I consult for and I see those people out there working on the assembly line. Some of those people were guys I went to high school with. They were football players and they were cheerleaders. They were hot stuff. Right. Yeah. Come on. But as I walk by, I realize God has blessed me. Come I make on. more in one day than they make in a week. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. 
That's the blessings of God on your life. That's what it is when you're faithful to God. That's right. when you serve God. Yes, amen. Woo. God. Woo. Echoes in the universe. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Say, well, you were raised Hallelujah. with a silver spoon in your life. No, it wasn't. My father was a union carpenter in 1965. He made $12.50 an hour in Dallas, Texas. You figure that to inflation. Right. When I was six months old, he was totally disabled in a construction accident. Come on. We had nothing coming in. My mother was sick. She could not even work. Thank you, Jesus. I grew up thinking Coca-Cola was a medicine. Come on. Only time we ever got a Coke in our house is if you had to visit the White Throne. Right. Right. I can remember first grade. Mom went down and bought me two pair of blue jeans. She said, son, he's got to do you all year long. All year. Yes, sir. Within three weeks, I had the knees busted out of both of them. Yes. We didn't go get no new blue jeans. They patched them up. I wore patched blue jeans for the rest of the year. Yes. Hallelujah. I know what it is to depend upon God and to sacrifice to see the work of God. Yes. Right. Yes. We would work all summer long raising a garden and selling produce out of the garden, okra and tomatoes and those type of things. So we'd have the money to go to camp meeting that year. Right. If you want to do something, it's in your heart and you desire to do it. God will make a way. Hallelujah. There's too many people desiring a miracle, but they're not willing to give what they got to get the miracle. Jesus fed 5,000 people, but he didn't create the food out of thin air. Come on. Somebody had to be willing to give up their lunch so that the multitude could be fed. Right. One of these among so many of us, somebody that said, if God has need of it, I'm not going to question it. I'm going to give it. Yeah. Come on. There was a widow woman, then the creditors were coming to take her son. Yes. And the prophet said, what do you have? What do you got? Yep. Come on. All I've got is a cruise of all. Come on. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, God's going to use that. That's right. Woo. Oh, right. too many Jesus. people are looking for God Woo. to bring something and drop it in their lap when they're not willing to use what they got. God is giving you talents. God is giving you abilities. God is giving you blessings, and it's time to you. So in all of these things, God has a plan that's orchestrated in our life. The oldest book in the Bible, probably by written date, is the book of Job. And when the enemy came before God and he said, God told the enemy, hey, have you considered my servant Job? Right. <laughs> has God bragged on you this week? Come on. Don't answer. Hope so. And he said, no, Job has a hedge that's built around him. I can't, I can't touch him. I can't touch him. If he didn't have that hedge, he'd be all right. right. And I could get to him. Yes. That's the reason you need a hedge builder in your life. Yes. You need somebody that is bringing protection into your world. That's right. Come on. Thank you. There are four things that I would like to talk about that I see today in our society that that people are struggling with on both sides of the fence, in the church and in the world. 
Number one, our world today is struggling over the concept of love. Yes, yes, true. Everywhere that you look, you see people that are depressed. Yes, yes. The number one prescription drug in America today is antidepressants. Wow. Why are they feeling depressed? Because they feel like that I'm not loved. Right. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. I don't matter to somebody. I have no purpose in life. I, I have no ability to do anything that makes a difference. Their love is challenged. And a lot of their problems with love, of course, is the fact that they do not understand what true love is. Yes. Yes. For God so loved the world that He gave. Anytime you see love in action, you're going to see giving in action. Where your treasures are, there is your heart also. Don't tell me you love God if you don't pay your tithes and give in the offering. Love will bring into your life an action. Yes. It will bring into your life something that's flowing forth. Right. It is lust, on the other hand, that our world struggles with because lust is all about what can I get for myself. Yes. It's just the opposite of giving. That's right. Lust is about consuming, bringing up on myself. There's a lot of people that want to be blessed. But they don't realize why God blesses people. God does not bless you in order to provide you with something to consume by your lust. The blessings of God are not there to make you somebody popular, to make you somebody with lots of possessions. Jesus was talking about the rich man. And he said, I have many things and I'm going to take my life and I'm going to be at ease. Yes. Jesus called him a fool. Right. Right. True love is realizing that if God will bless me, I will bless his kingdom. Come on. Come on. It's a law of harvest. It's a cycle that goes forth. God blesses you. You bless the kingdom of God. And you get the gravy that's flowing in the middle. Hallelujah. You get to partake of the wonderful fruit of blessing as it flows by. But if you dam up the creek, if you just grab a hold of all of it and say, it's mine, mine, mine. Mom. Your pond's fixing to stagnate and stink. Amen. Somewhere down the road, God is going to divert the water flow and the blessings are going to go somewhere else that can keep on flowing. So there are times that you feel challenged about love in your life. Am I loved? Do I feel loved? There are other times in your life that you are concerned about peace in your life. There is turmoil that is going on in your brain. You know, the devil wants to have chaos in your life. The devil is the author of confusion. He's wanting to come by and he's wanting to plant the doubt there. And he wants all this stuff running in your mind so that you have no peace. And your life is upset and your life is 
has gone right and left and you're tossed here and there. And with that, you do not have the security that you need from God. Come on. Peace be still was the words of Jesus when the boat was walking, walking back and forth. And even the weather obeyed the word of God. That's right. We see that our world has problems with joy. Everywhere you're looking, people are saying, I just want to be happy. Come on. Oh, my. How many times have you heard somebody say, well, I'm bored. Come on. Right. This is boring. Yes. Can you believe I've had people say, church is boring? Yes. Somewhere you haven't tapped into the spring of joy. Right. Hallelujah. Because when joy begins to flow in your life, hey amen, there's going to be some praise. There's going to be some worship. Oh, I want you to know when you begin to feel that spirit coming by, and it, and it begins to press in on you and say things are bad and things are hard and, and there's just nothing good here and all of it. You need to get some joy of the Lord going in your life. I'm going to get my praise out. I'm going to magnify and I'm going to exalt God. I don't care what my neighbor's doing. I don't care what anybody says. It's time to praise and magnify and uplift the name of God. I want the presence of God in my life. I want the Spirit of God moving in my life. But it takes that joy, joy. flowing in your life. Yes, right. and you're going to have to step out there. Come on. Right. And not everybody's going to understand it. Right. Right. Oh, King David wanted the Ark of the Covenant in Jerusalem so bad. He wanted the presence of God in Jerusalem. Come on. That he was willing yes. to do whatever it took whatever it to get the presence of God back home again. When you get hungry enough. Oh, he was dancing before the Lord. He was sacrificing before the Lord. Come on. And there was the old snooty king's daughter. Yes. Looking down and saying, Oh, David, you made a fool out of yourself today. Come on. All those churches looking down on us and they're criticizing our worship and, and they're criticizing our praise is going to have the same judgment brought upon them. Their womb is going to be barren. There's a reason why the churches are shutting the doors and they're going home. It's because they don't have the joy of the Lord flowing in their heart. They're not willing to step out and praise and worship God. There was 1,700 ministers a day that resigned from the ministry and walked away from preaching the Word of God. Somewhere they've lost the joy. Number four is faith. Faith is a noun and faith is also a verb. Many times we talk about faith. The thing that we're looking for is the verb that is God helping us. Yes. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Right. If you can see it, it's not faith. Come on. Come on. If you can figure out how to do it without God's help, it's not faith. Right. Faith is a belief in God 
that says, I will trust you, O Lord, yes. regardless where the path leads. That's right. Talked about God taking us through seasons, God taking us to certain places. And we look around, we need to look around and say, God, why am I here? What do I need to do? Right. There was a time period in my father's life that he found himself seeing doctors quite often. Never did hear him say to me or anybody else, God's being so mean to me. I've got so many medical problems. Right. Well, what did my dad do? He started preaching to the doctors. Come on. <laughs> He'd come home and say, son, oh man, I talked to that doctor today. He said there was 35 people in the waiting room, and I sat in there and preached to him for 45 minutes in his office. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yes. Hallelujah. Yeah. Wherever you're at, let God use you. Yeah. Amen. That's Didn't right. Joseph find himself in the prison before he found himself in the palace? Some of you are wanting to skip some things. Yeah. You're saying, oh, Lord, just fast forward out of here. There ain't going to be no fast forward. You're going to have to go through the prison before you get to the palace. Right. Come on. Right. you got to do it right. God will bless you and God will touch you. Yes. And all of it. It was something that we didn't have in my years growing up. They're called emojis. Come on. <laughs> you got these little smiley faces with attitudes. <laughs> They'll just bounce right off on you. Boom! There you are. Right. And they represent what people want to portray as their feelings at the moment. Right. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. I think it's more important to know what God's feeling at the moment. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. But we all have feelings. We all we all are affected by things. Yes. I can pick somebody out here today and I can tell you that your shoes are ugly. And you'd be affected by it. Here's this stranger walking into our house right. and insulting my shoes. Yes. <laughs> yes. We, we are concerned about what people say about us. Yes. So shouldn't that make it very important what we say about other people? Oh, That's on. right. right. There is power in the tongue. There's power to bless and there's power to curse. That's right. And somewhere in the book it says you're going to give an account for every idle word. That's right. So how you make people feel about themselves, it is important. And all of it. Thank you, Jesus. Also, we are affected by circumstances. Because there's a lot of things today that are out of your control. You don't want to admit it, but they're out of their control out of your control. You can get right to the meat of the matter just like that. You have no control over who's the president of the United States right now. Right. Yeah. That's right. There are things that are out of your control. Amen. Time and chance rains on the just and the unjust. Yes. 
Not a great prophet, but before the month is over, somebody in this room is going to have car problems. True. It is. All of these things affect how you feel, mm -hmm. the circumstances around you. We all love kind, loving, caring people that will come up and bless us. Right. Oh, when Grandma comes by and says, oh, I love you, honey, yeah. here's a hundred dollars. We're feeling pretty good about it right then, ain't we? I may have got a grandma in trouble right there. She's only given 20. So we are affected by the things that happen to us, positive or negative. They affect things in our life. And then also we have expectations in life, things that we want to happen in life. There's things that we desire. There's, there's things that, woo, you know, we just, hmm. I can remember as a young boy, we used to get those Sears and Rareback catalogs. Yes, sir. You'd go through them and you'd open up and you'd look at them. When I was about eight years old, they had in there an electric guitar. Right. It was a copy of a Gibson SG. Oh, I wanted that electric guitar. I'd, I'd go and I'd look at it about every day. I'd look at that catalog and I would count my pennies and, whew, got to pick up some more pop bottles. <laughs> yeah. Expectation, things that you want, things that you desire, all of those things are translated into feelings and the way that we are. And then there are the things in life that perplex us. Come on. We just don't understand it. Come on, hope you're ready for this. Come on. And every, every once in a while, I just got to get out there and do it. <laughs> Heard the story of a man that was talking to God one day. And God said, I will grant you one thing in life. Whatever you want, I will give it to you. Whatever you want. He said, well, Lord... I would like to understand women. Very quickly, the Lord replied, is there anything else you want in life? Anything else you want? He said, well, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii. And he says, but I don't like to fly, and there's no way I'm going to ride on a boat. So I need a road to Hawaii. Man, that would cost lots and lots and lots of money. So, okay, then help me understand woman. He said, Well, you want that a four lane or a six lane? <laughs> so there are things in life that we don't understand sometimes, they will perplex us. And all of it. But when we're having problems with those emojis in life, we're having problems with those feelings in life. A lot of times it's because somewhere in our life we have a hole in the hedge of protection that God has placed around us. Come on. You see that roaring lion that we talked about earlier that goes about seeking whom it may devour. We look out the window and we see the lion in our front yard. Wow, I've got, to, I've got to destroy this thing. I've got to kill it. So we go and we engage in battle and, and it's blood, sweat, and tears and we finally kill the lion. And we say, 
Woo, that was close. That was good. I got the victory. Right. On Wednesday night. Then we get back up on Friday morning and look out there and there's another line right there in the front of y'all. We say, God, I'm tired of fighting these lines. What's going on? You got a hole in your hedge. Come on. That line's just able to waltz right in there like it's breakfast time. Yes. Because somewhere your hedge builder has come and he's worked real diligently to yes. make that little wall of separation and division in your life. But you say, well, that's the, the path that leads down there to the cistern. And I've just got to go to the cistern. Uh, so you knock a hole in the hedge and you just march right on down there to the camp of the Philistines. Yeah. And say, man, that, whew, nothing happened to me. <laughs> I don't know what that crazy pastor is preaching about. Man, what in the world's his problem? I had a good time. And you come back home, and the next morning the line's in your yard again. Right. The pastor's trying to keep the line out of your yard. Yes. Different times and different circumstances will bring the man of God to trying to protect his church. For many, many days, I lived on a farm in Stratford four or five years, and I would drive into Ada for work. And along the path there, there was an old shallow creek. Never did think much about it. But one night, we got a flash flood, and a lady drove off into that creek and drowned. A few months later, the state crew came and they put up guardrails along the side of the road next to a dried out creek bed. If you was to drive by today, you might scratch your head and say, those dumb bureaucrats, right. those dumb idiots, why in the world do you, why in that little shallow creek, why in the world do you want guardrails there? I could drive through there with a bicycle. Right. But you see, somebody lost their life. Yes. And so a guardrail was erected so that nobody else would have to lose their life. Yes. Amen. Pastor, I have a house rule at my house, my church. I don't try to impose it on anybody else. I'm not going to condemn anybody else if they do it or they don't do it. That's not the point. The point is that I have a tombstone. I want to build a guardrail around that tombstone so that nobody else will go down that path and die. Yes. Yes. It was a beautiful family. I had three children. But the lady had a problem. She was addicted to gambling. Come on. And as a result of it, she gambled away everything that her husband had worked all his life for. Had nothing left. Pastor, I'm not going to go down there to the casinos anymore. I've got victory over it, but, you know, she just couldn't resist the cheap steak and lobster right. at the restaurant in the casino. Come on, preach. It was a Monday morning. Her husband took a shotgun and put her into eternity. Oh.
because they had nothing else in life. She had gambled it all away. So if you was to hear me preach to my church and tell them, don't go eat at the casinos. Right. Just don't do it. We don't do that around here. Right. That's just something that's not godly. Right. You might shake your head and say, man, what in the world is wrong with getting a $10 lobster? Come on. What in the world is wrong with getting T-bone steak for $2.95? Come on. That preacher just the cruel, mean old taskmaster. Come on. You see, I've got a tombstone. Right. I don't want anybody else to die that way. That's right. The emotions, the feelings that we have are there in all of it. <coughs> I realize today, I want to be transparent with you for just a moment. There are things in life and we face changes throughout the years that have come. There are things that we used to be able just to say, hey, you don't go there. You don't do that. Right. It used to be real easy. Don't go down to the convenience store and get the magazines with right. the green covers on them. Right. Don't work anymore. Right. Probably can't find green cover right. magazines in the convenience stores around here. Right. Because now the largest cash industry on the internet is pornography. Yes, right. Who knows? They may start putting green covers on the Christian magazines before long. So you just can't say, hey, I've got this here, and it's the way it's always going to be. Right. There's things and circumstances that are affected. My father served two hitches in the Navy, come out of World War II and went to Stone County, Missouri, and opened up a nightclub. Did illegal gambling, did illegal prostitution, and sold alcohol on Sunday, and paid off the sheriff with a percentage in order to float along. Never saw the, that side of my father. My father had a mother and a grandfather that was praying for their children that were lost. Hallelujah. God filled him with the Holy Ghost, but as a boy growing up, when we would sit around the table to play Monopoly, Dad would not play with us if there was dice involved in the game. Right. Yeah. Right. Because that was his old life. He was a professional gambler. That represented something of his old life. He would right. throw out the dice. Come on. Yeah. Come on. I didn't have a problem with it. It was how you played the game. It's how you get... Uh, it was a wholesome activity. Young people playing, having fun. And all of it that is there. Right. But he had built a protection and a wall there that he had because of the shipwreck that he made of his life. Right. There were things, there were principles that my dad talked about and those things that he would not do. And today it would be very easy, brother, for me to preach against those things because of my upbringing. I really don't care about them today. Right. But you see, my dad was raised in the country and as a young man that would go hunting and go fishing, and uh, it was just an excuse to go out and drink beer. Come on, right. And so he never took me hunting. We never went fishing in life. 
because that represented a beer party to him. Yep, right. He would tell other people, hey, you you need to stay away that. It'll just turn into a beer party for you. Amen. A desire to do what is right. But I have taken my son fishing a few times with no desire to go find a beer. I never right. the beer. Don't have nothing to do with beer. We just going out there to spend some time in nature and away from people and right. get some good food to eat. We're talking about that in life there are changes that come our way. Right. And we've got to live by the principles of the Word of God. Yes. Right. We can't get all bent out of shape because the times and the ages and all of these things change. Right. Come on. We've got to realize I've got to be a person that is separated from the world. I've got to be holy. I've got to be clean in my life. And it is not about just saying we do this or we do that. Right. 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 One of the frustrations that a pastor will face when his young people and his church is out amongst the world and somebody will come by and say, well, why in the world do you young ladies wear dresses? And then they say, well, because our pastor tells us to. That's not a reason in itself to wear dresses. I appreciate your obedience to God. God will bless your obedience. Right. But what happens if you ever get mad at your pastor? Right. Come on. Come on. Maybe I ought to rephrase that. What happens when you get mad at your pastor? There you go. Come on. Amen. He's flesh and blood like the rest of us. That's right. He could possibly be overloaded on a certain day. He may be dealing with three broken arms and somebody with a heart attack and you are trying to tell him about your ingrown toenail and he don't seem very concerned. The right. pastor just don't love me. His plate is overloaded. His burden is so heavy. He needs somebody to hold his hands up. Being a person that was in technology, I thought about when was the very first time that I saw a computer-like device in my world. And uh, I've done a little programming in my life. Uh, don't go into programming, there's no money in it. But anyway. Um, so I thought about something I saw in elementary school. It was this little device. And uh, you could use this little device and run the routines in it and, and get answers for questions. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the elementary kids that I were around were the question they had in their life was, who loves me? But anyway. <laughs> You would take the device and you would look at the top of it and this got the word love on it. So you'd go, L-O-B-E. Yep. <laughs> and you would look down in there and see something. I look down in there and I see emojis. What in the world does love make me feel like right now? 
Amen. It's got some interesting options down there, let me tell you. <laughs> got this guy crying, this other girl with her tongue stuck out, this other guy wearing sunglasses, and this dude that is so perplexed, he don't know whether it's Monday or Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I said, I, I've got this knowledge about finding out things, and so I created what I call the hedge-o-matic. <laughs> you see, the pastor gets tired of running around and fixing your hedge all the time. Well, that look, went over like a ham sandwich at a Jewish wedding. <laughs> <laughs> he gets tired of it, so every once in a while, he wants you to be able to figure some of these things out for yourself. Right. Why am I feeling this way? Yeah. Why is my day going this way? What is it that is the problem? Right. So, before you totally die of curiosity here, I mean, I've got a hedge-o-matic for everybody, brother. All right. Yeah, man, just go out there and give everybody a hedge-o-matic. All right. <laughs> that thing need batteries? <laughs> it has perpetual power, known as the human fingers. <laughs> it is the ultimate computer. It never has to be recharged. It never has to be repaired. <laughs> see, you look there and you see the emoji. You see that person that's crying himself out. And they're in distress. What the problem is, is that they're looking to the world for their source happiness and contentment and prosperity. In the book of 2 John chapter 2 it says, love not the world into the things of the world. Right. Any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Mm -hmm. As long as the world is consuming your life, you are never going to have true peace and joy within your life. Right. Who is it that you look to in your life as your source of authority for design of fashion and beauty. Come on, brother. Come on. Somewhere, there, there's somewhere you're looking. There's somewhere you're deciding this is beautiful. In a Chinese culture years ago, they decided it was beautiful for a woman to have a foot about four inches long. That yeah. was pure beauty. Right. There, there are tribes in Africa that have decided that uh, having a chin that sticks out like an elephant's trunk is pure beauty. Yep. And so they keep putting these things in the mouth of their children to make their chin go out. Yep. There's all types of things throughout history that we have seen as beauty and fashion. And uh, there was a time in America that every woman in America wore a dress. Right. Yep. It was the norm. It's what happened. All the women wore dresses. Yeah. Something changed in our world. Yeah. And we have people today that are looking to the wrong sources to identify what is beauty. Right. To identify right. what is that makes life statement of this is what makes me handsome. This is what makes me beautiful. This is how I should dress. Right. Amen. 
been all around the country, and you go through these malls, and you go through these strip centers, and they got this store there, and it's not called Forever 81. <laughs> that store is called Forever 21. There's somebody in our society that has decided that youth should be worshipped. There's somebody that has decided what type of clothes should be popular. What type of hair dressing should be popular. What you should put on your face. Most of the women in the world today are going around with bat droppings on their face. Uh -huh. That's right. That's true. Or dirty. Guana? Yep. You're going to have to make a decision. Who is it that I serve? What is going to be that which I worship? And I want my dress, I want my speech. I want my life, I want my actions to be based upon I want to please God. That's right. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's right. Without the fear of God, you're not going to make it to the pearly gates. Now, fear is not this great and wonderful dread of God's eternal punishment upon you. But fear is within you that desire that you so greatly want to please God yes, yes. that you refuse to do anything that you think would displease your loving Father and not bless Him and not exalt Him in the eyes of others. He's done so much for us. He's healed us when we're sick. He's put money in our pocket when we're broke. He has provided for us. Amen. When nobody else was there, He has been the joy of the Lord at the midnight hour. Oh, I want to please my Savior. Yes. yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The carnal man, the pride that is there. The Bible says no flesh is going to glory in his presence. It's not about who I am, it's about who he is. God, let me be one that has such humility in my life, that has a position that realizes that I am nothing. I can do nothing. That I will become like a plea, a piece of glass. That when people look at me, all they can see is the Jesus behind me. I don't want them to see my ability. I don't want them to see my opinion. I don't want them to think of me as somebody. I want them to see the Jesus that I live for. Amen. That's my desire. Yes, Lord. All of these feelings, there's things that you go back to. 